This is Cindy Burnett, and you are listening to the new Thoughts from a Page podcast. I love all things bookish. I run a bookstagram account called Thoughts from a Page. I write two book columns called Buzz Reads and Page Turners for a local Houston publication called The Buzz Magazines. And I co-operate a literary salon here in Houston called Conversations from a Page. We are currently on Zoom, so check us out at cfapage.net. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. In this episode, I am interviewing Win Phan Quay Mai about her latest book, The Mountains Sing. She was born in Vietnam in 1973 and grew up witnessing the war's devastation of her country. She worked as a street seller and rice farmer before winning a scholarship to attend university in Australia. She is the author of eight books of poetry, short fiction, and nonfiction in Vietnamese. Her writing has been translated and published in more than 10 countries, has received many honors. She has an MA in creative writing and is currently a PhD candidate at Lancaster University. She divides her time between Indonesia and Vietnam. Welcome, Kwe Mai. Thank you so much for joining me on my new podcast. I'm so pleased you're here. You know how much I absolutely loved your book, The Mountains Sing, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me on the show. And I am so grateful for your incredible support from the very beginning of my journey. You know, before the book was launched, you read an advanced reader's copy and uh, you've been just an amazing champion. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me a little bit about The Mountain Sing? Um, so the Mountain Sing is a journey into the 20th history, century history of Vietnam via the lives of four generations of a Vietnamese family. This is told in the voices of two women, Grandma Diệu Lan and her granddaughter Hương. So via the novel, I hope the reader will experience Vietnam in its colors and complexity, you know, hear the language, taste the food, experience Vietnam, you know, like learn about historical events. I just wanted to present an authentic Vietnam to the international readers through this book. Well, that was one of the things that I liked the most about it was I I loved the culture, the food, the inclusion of the proverbs. But more than anything, I liked seeing Vietnam from a Vietnamese person's perspective. You know, we read so much in the U.S. about the Vietnam War, and it's always from us sending soldiers over there and what it was like when they came back. So I just felt I learned so much and benefited a lot from the perspective of what it was like to actually live in Vietnam and experience the war on your own. Own soil. Mm. So actually, um, that's one of the reasons why I felt the need to write this book. There have been tens of thousands of books, you know, written about the Vietnam War and about Vietnam in English, but very few of them are written in the voices of women or citizens who had to bear the burden of war. But more than a war, you know, I wanted to to present Vietnam as a country filled with culture, filled with history and filled with families who love uh, each other like any other family in the world. And I I I remember, you know, a conversation I had with a Vietnam veteran who told me that on his plan coming to Vietnam as a soldier, he was very fearful of killing the Vietnamese. He was told by an American who sat next to him, who had been, you know, fighting in the Korean War. The American, this American told this, this soldier, this young soldier, don't worry about killing the Vietnamese. They are different than us, you know. Uh, they have been at war for thousands of 
years, they don't love their family like we love ours. There's a tendency to dehumanize the enemy. And even though my book is set against the backdrop of the Vietnam War, it represents It, it presents the stories of, of different sides of the war and my attempt to humanize these soldiers, to show compassion towards them, regardless of which side they, they fought for. And I think I, I wanted also to highlight the horror of war to call for peace, because as a human race, we fight too much. And I think in today's world, I think... Even in this, in the middle of this pandemic, we see with so many issues, we still have to struggle and we have, as a community, have to come together to resolve so many different issues that we face today and we, we should promote peace rather than war. Well, that was one of the recurring themes in your book was peace. And one of my favorite quotes was when she says, somehow I was sure that if people were willing to read each other and see the light of other cultures, there would be no war on earth. And I just absolutely loved that passage. Our differences are actually what make us better and we can learn so much from others and only be broadened and become better people when we can understand a wider range of people and cultures, all of that. And clearly that is a very relevant issue today. There's a strong tendency to uh, use weapons. And I think if there were better effort to in, be engaged in dialogue, in meaningful conversations, that would be wonderful. And I think my book highlights really the trauma of war. Wars do not just kill people. They destroy cultures. They destroy nature destroy families they break away the fabrics of society so and and the trauma is inherited from one generation to the next so so this is the huge cost of war that uh, that we all have to wear not just you know the financial burden on on, on citizens as well as, as a child I love to read and I really appreciate appreciate the beauty of literature and I think the more we read the more we appreciate all the culture and other human beings and see the similarities that we we have. So I really hope we read each other more. And at the moment, for example, thanks to the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of books on, uh, on anti-racism have come back to be on the best-selling best list, you know, and this is really an amazing, amazing uh, thing to see. I thought that was great last week when the New York Times nonfiction list was published and it was all anti-racism books. I, I mm -hmm. thought we've made some, some progress. Hopefully the progress will stay and move us forward. It would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I'm, I'm really encouraged to see, you know, the wonderful conversations. And I hope, you know, we will continue to have these type of conversations so that we erase racism at different levels, individual levels, family level, society level, national level. And, you know, there's racism against different types of community, not just Black people, but against Asian or against those we, we don't know about and we consider the other. And, and I really think by reading, you know, more literature, we, we will be more open-minded. 
and sympathetic and maybe understand a little bit better where people are coming from. And that was one of the things that that was fascinating to me about your book with Vietnam was how long, how much the Vietnamese people had already been through when the war mm. started there. And mm. I think, you know, to try to understand different groups' histories and people's history helps a lot. Books about Vietnam just focus on the Vietnam War. And uh, this book is about the root causes of the war that go way back from the beginning of the 20th century. And there were so many historical events that, that happened before that, that, that resulted in the war and the, the conflicts of people who chose to st stand on different sides and the events that divided families. In this book, Vietnam is represented as the Chan family who was lashed into two because of the war. And some people had to fight for North Vietnam. Some people had to fight for South Vietnam. And when the war ended, that kind of battle continued within their family because they had to come together. And how how would they accept the idea that the others had fight against their own siblings? And, you know, this book is also about the long-lasting impact of the war, Agent Orange, about missing family members and the PTSD and trauma. So there are still so many unresolved issues when it comes to the Vietnam War. Well, and you always hear about Agent Orange and the impact on humans, which is horrific. But also, you you know, you demonstrated and wrote about the effects on the jungle and the, the mm. nature and the land and the animals. Mm. And I had not really thought about, I mean, it makes perfect sense. It was just not something I had focused on before, that it really not only destroyed humans, mm -hmm. but also some parts oh. of Vietnam. Wow. You know, like when I was growing up, I grew up in the rural area in the south of Vietnam in a in a small town called the Mekong Bạc Liêu in the Mekong Delta and we would catch fish from ponds and many of them were disfigured uh, they they were completely dis disfigured and people were telling each other not to eat this fish because you know our water was contaminated but my family was very poor so those for fish we could not sell we decided to eat them so I felt like I was eating the war for a time I was afraid that I was also experienced this kind of horrific leftover of the war. In the museum, there's a war remnants museum in Ho Chi Minh City. And if you go in there, there are just evidence of how the, the country was destroyed by Agent Orange. And I myself volunteered in orphanages where children are just severely disabled. It, it is so clear that people, that so many people are still living from disability or cancer, even, you know, from the impact impact of Agent Orange. And I, I just hope that um, no such chemical will be used in war anymore. It's the devastation on nature, on humans, on, on wildlife is just, just so devastating. Yes, yeah, something used to try to end a war or to, you know, as a weapon, and then it's just so long lasting. I, I hope you're right that that will not happen again. Hmm. This is the first book that you have written in English. Why did you decide to write in English this time? So, so as I said before, you know, I was so uh, frustrated not to see enough Vietnamese voices in uh, literature uh, in English about Vietnam. So I, so I decided to insert some voices from Vietnam into this canon of literature and especially voices of women because I um, only had the chance to learn English when I was at the eighth grade. So I was, so it, writing English was a big challenge for me. I wanted to embrace that challenge to learn because as a writer, I learned so much by being able to read English. 
English, some of the international literature has been translated into Vietnamese. But, you know, if I want to read the latest titles, then English would be the best medium to read. So I've learned a lot from reading in English. So I decided to attempt to, to write my first novel in English. So for a few years, I dreamt to translate a Vietnamese novel into English and had it published. And then one day I thought, why don't I write myself this book that I want to translate? Well, that's truly amazing that you learned English in eighth grade and then you're able to write this lyrical, beautiful book. I could not even begin to write something like this and English is my first language. So it's very impressive. How did you come up with the title for this one? Or did you come up with the title? How did the title come about? Oh, so, you know, because it took me seven years to write and edit the book, there has been so many changes when it came to titles. Uh, so first, I used the title My Grandma's, My Grandmother's Songs, because this book is a lot about singing and about the, the spirit of hope and the resilience of the people. But then, um, then I later, I changed it to Songs of the Sơn Ca. Sơn Ca is the name of the book, which is the central symbol of the novel. So I sold, um, so my my uh, my agent signed the contract with me based on that title. Before we pitched the book, she, we had a discussion about the title and then we made a list of possible titles. And then I, I reread the, the manuscript and I saw this um, phrase that grandma Siêu Lan told her granddaughter the challenges faced by Vietnamese people are as tall as the tallest mountains. So I wanted to use the symbol of the mountains. And then in the middle of the book, there is the, the, the bird sơn ca, which means the mountains sing. And singing is, is about the hopeful spirit of the book. So I decided to use that title and my agent agreed with me, which is great. And then it was fine with the publisher too, because I know sometimes you can start out with the title and have an idea of how exactly you think it should go. And then it gets to the publisher and they're like, mm, nope. <laughs> so it's nice that it made it through all of that. So my editor, Betsy Gleick, is uh, from Algonquin Books. It's just so fantastic. We discuss about all the possible titles. I even came to New York on one of my visits and I had a meeting with her and we even discussed about the titles. But in the, the, in the end, uh, we stayed with this title because we thought it was poetic and it captured, you know, the essence of the book. Deciding on the title is such a tricky, tricky thing. And I'm glad we, we decided and we stay on this title because I'm very happy with it. Oh, I think it's the perfect title. And that Thank will you. segue me into the cover, which is also the perfect cover. How did the cover come about? As I said, I'm really happy, lucky to be with Algonquin Books. They invested a lot of effort and resources into every stage of the book. Uh, the development of the title has just been an amazing experience. They hired a company to work with the arts department for the cover and uh, they showed me different drafts, you know. Um, so I, I had a say in what I like and what I didn't like. At first, we had a girl on the cover. We could not find a Vietnamese girl that would look right for my character, Hương. She would look too sad or uh, I, I don't know it was hard so in the end we decided not to use a girl at all but to use you know also um, the picture of the mountain which I love because my book is very much about nature and the human impact on nature so you have the image of the burnt branches that represents the, the devastation of war 
And then there are the golden leaves, which represent the kindness and the compassion, which shines through through the darkest of time. I love this cover because it's it's colorful and it's very poetic. And this July and August, my book will be published in Australia and the UK. And my UK publisher, One World. One World's publications is also amazing and they worked for months with me on the cover. You're lucky that you had a say in the cover because I know that is one of the things I hear from authors fairly frequently is that they don't always have a say. Something will come back and they'll be like, I don't like that. And then the next thing they know, that's their cover. It's very different and I hope you like it. I'm sure I will. (laughs) How long did it take you to write this book? You mentioned seven years, but from start to getting it published, how long was that journey for you? I I think I was preparing for this book for all of my life because all of my life's experiences went into this book and uh, writing it, I I reflected on, on the stories that I heard from growing up in North Vietnam as well as South Vietnam. So it took me seven years altogether. I started to work on it in 2012 and I wrote this novel as part of my master in creative writing at Lancaster University in the UK. It was a long and difficult process because when I started, I did not know how the book would end. I started writing it one day with the bombing scene in Hanoi in 1972. And I, I did not know what would happen to the grandmother and the granddaughter. And um, it took me seven years and I polished and I restructured a lot. I had to take out some character and edit a few things. But it has been... It has been a fascinating process. I learned so much about the English language. I learned so much about where the imagination could take you as a writer, you know, where the story would go if you know how to trust your characters and and how to complement your imagination with your research to make everything come alive. It has been a challenging process, but also very satisfying because everything, I think, came together in the end, you know. Uh, there are many bridges that are built you know, stories connected and also questions unanswered as well. Because just like any real life situation, there are unresolved issues. And I think in the end, the readers will not have all of their questions answered. And I think that's okay because that's that's real life, you know. There are always unresolved issues. Absolutely. And I don't ever like it when I get to the end of a book and it's so neatly wrapped up. So I think you're exactly right that not everything is answered in real life. I think that the things that you really want to know, you do know when you're finished. Obviously, the seven years it produced a beautiful, beautiful book. And you've been very busy, I know, with promotion and interviews and things like that. Are you working on something new or are you just enjoying this book right now? For quite a few years now, I have been working on my second novel. So the first novel is set in the north of Vietnam, right? So I wanted to set my second novel in the south of Vietnam. And this book is also about the impact of the Vietnam War. With this book, I venture into the into the topic of, of Amerasians, children born as the result of the relationships between American soldiers and Vietnamese women. There have been books written about Americans who have seen migrated to the U.S., but those who are 
still in Vietnam, face a lot of difficulties and a lot of challenges. So I interviewed, I met them in real life, interviewed them and documented their stories in the form of a novel. And I've written it um, as part of my PhD. So I have to defend my PhD in about four weeks. <laughs> But I'm really excited about this novel because it's also about, you know, um, Vietnamese women who had to leave their homes and to work in at different bars to entertain American soldiers. I want to highlight the reasons why I, they had to do that and the consequences of their actions. So, so they are the victims of war. And after the war, what happened to them is just very, very heartbreaking as well. Well, I look very much look forward to reading that. It sounds, again, very educational, but interesting and a topic I don't know a lot about. Well, I'm going to wrap us up and I would love to hear a couple of your favorite recent reads that books you would recommend that you've enjoyed recently. Oh, I've been reading so much. I think because of, of the corona pandemic, uh, we need to practice social distancing. So I feel like the reading has been able for me to have conversations with writers who become friends through their stories. So I really enjoyed um, Afterlife by Julia Alvarez. This is uh, an adult novel which is, has just been published after 15 years of her last adult novel and her prose is just so beautiful and the story is, is fascinating. I love the book, uh, non-fiction book, So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Oluno. This book is very much about you know what to do to help combat racism and I have really enjoyed the novel The Line That Held Us by David Joy. His, his writing is, is really powerful and I admire his ability to draw out the complexity of an evil character. I think the tendency of many authors is to uh, kind of give a brief glimpse into into a character who's evil, but in this book he digs deep into the lives of this really really evil character and let us understand why he behaved in such a, an evil way and so that's that's a very interesting read those are three great choices i've been seeing afterlife everywhere and i just ordered so you want to talk about race and it had just come in and i picked it up from the bookstore where i work over the weekend so i'm i'm really looking forward to diving into that well i can't thank you enough for joining me this has just been wonderful i've loved hearing all about the mountain seeing and how it came about and just your perspective on it all. Thank you so much, Cindy, for the honor of this interview. You And thank you so much once again for your brilliant support. Thank you so much for listening to the Thoughts from a Page podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast and tell all your friends about the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I would really appreciate it. Quay Mai's book may be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next time. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, 
So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.